Welcome to the Dreamcast Podcast. My name is Daniel Bozinski, and my goal is to help you find purpose and become the greatest version of yourself. Every week, our promise is to deliver one-of-a-kind stories of individuals who are pioneering purpose in their life. These are people I personally would have loved to have as mentors and leaders in my life in the past, and now they're right here at our fingertips. The Dreamcast guests are willing to be authentic, genuine, and human about their struggles and success. To me, purpose is priceless, and if you're looking to make an investment into your life yourself, I believe you've come to the right place. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's get started. Well, welcome back to the Dreamcast. Excited and thankful that you're taking this time to invest into yourself, your destiny, your purpose, your dreams. Today's guest has lived and worked around the world in places like Europe, Asia, and Africa. He currently serves as the CEO of an international investment banking firm, Madison Street Capital, where he manages the overall strategic direction and operations of the firm. Not only has he been 20 years as a veteran in the investment banking industry, our guest is also a member of the board of directors for Insider. It's a community for salespeople to privately generate faster business. He's changing the world one investment at a time. Charles Botchway, welcome to the Dreamcast. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm excited to kind of get to know you a little bit more. I know we've had a good conversation when I was out in California, but for everyone kind of tuning into our conversation, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself, your childhood, uh, and the story, because it really is an incredible story. Uh, born and raised in Ghana, I uh, moved to the U.S. when I was 15 um, to go to college and uh, study accounting and, and ended up staying, you know. Um, going through a, a range of entrepreneurial ventures with uh, friends that I grew up with, and then ultimately ended up uh, uh, in the investment banking industry via, you know, via management consulting. Um, you know, investment banking was always something that I you know, wanted to do. My dad was a banker; he was uh, one of the deputy governors of the Central Bank of Ghana. Um, so it was a family business, so to speak. And uh, you know, through uh, you know, through you know various experiences and uh, uh, learning uh, the, the, the business of, uh, of finance and management and execution eventually ended up in the investment banking business and uh, been in it for the last 15, 20 years. It's been uh, pretty exciting and rewarding. So explain specifically to what you do with investment banking. Uh, what does your company specialize in? Um, our, our company does mergers and acquisitions, uh, corporate finance and financial opinions uh, for uh, public and private companies. Specifically, um, we help, we, we focus on the lower end of the middle market. So our clients are generally businesses that do anywhere from 10 million in revenue all the way up to 100, 150 million dollars in revenue. Uh, occasionally we'll have some that are a little smaller you know, and some that are a little larger, but generally um, that's where our client base is. It's a little broad, but um, that's where we focus. We we help people who are looking to buy companies, people who, you know, been in their business for a while and decided it's time to exit and go stick their feet in the sand in Florida somewhere. We help them exit the business, or if they've decided they want to, they have an opportunity in the marketplace that they want to capture and they need, you know, financing or, or or equity partners to provide cash to help them capture that opportunity. We help them find that. Um, in addition, we we do financial opinions. Um, for just about anybody, uh, public and private companies, fairness opinions, solvency opinions, um, you know, financial opinions for uh, for reporting purposes as well, like valuations. Wow, it's huge. So it's very niche. Like it sounds like, I mean, from the amount of revenue to 
I mean, when you're getting one client, how long can it take for you to find whether it's an investor or a purchaser or, I mean, how long can that process be? Um, it's a very, it's, it's varied depending on what you're doing, um, to be honest with you. Um, if you're, if you're finding an investor for a client who's trying to, um, you know, bring on an equity partner or who's trying to sell their business completely, um, you know, it could happen as quickly as, you know, five, six months. It could take a year, sometimes a little bit longer, just depending on what you're doing. Um, same thing with, you know, financing a company, trying to raise debt for a company. Those usually happen a lot faster, but. Um, it's really difficult to to pinpoint and say it's going to take a day, a week, uh, a month, or a year. It just really depends on the specific circumstances of the company that you're working with. Well, I love kind of the nature of even what you do is you really your business is is paid and built on the results of clients. Like you have to find those people, you have to connect the business. That's your job, and it's a very relational process, wouldn't you say? I mean, is yeah, that, it is. so where did I'm that sorry, come from? Did like that kind of come from like your desire to have that is it, it's kind of like who you are. So talk to me a little bit about that. Well, we, you know, we, we found, we found a weakness in the, in the market in that, you know, on the lower end of the middle market, there's a, um, a lot of um, fragmentation, so to speak. There are, you know, not many, you know, companies, uh, broker dealers or, or, uh, advisors that um, have the depth and breadth to effectively handle a marketplace. You, know, there's a lot of ind- independent brokers. There's a lot of guys that, you know, my father used to refer to as briefcase financiers working out of their basements, um, <laughs> trying to serve that market. And we thought, you know, that with the experience that we had, that you know, we could make inroads into that marketplace and and sort of bring uh, uh, Wall Street to Main Street, if you will. That's cool. And and, and that's the approach that we've taken is bringing, you know, the, 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 the quality of service that all the largest companies in the world get when they hire investment banks uh, to the smaller companies that, you know, do need those services as well, but, you know, will not catch the eye of some of the larger uh, bulge bracket firms. Um, and and we, we take a, you know, approach to our clients that, you know, when we interact with them, we want to make sure that, you know, we're giving them the best advice possible. We're telling them what they need to know, what they need to uh, understand without telling them what they want to hear. We're brutally honest with our clients, and we want to make sure that you know after any interaction with us, whether they hire us or not, uh, that they're a little bit better off for having interacted with us than they would have been if they hadn't. Um, then we take that approach and try to you know through that provide an enriching uh, experience for the client and our employees as well. And we firmly believe that uh, that's the reason for our success. And if we continue to do that, it's going to be the reason for our growth. So you just, okay. So you just nailed like two huge core values and principles that it sounds like you live by personally that you've, um, really inundated into your company culture. And and I like the first one is it's, you tell your clients and we talked about this, what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. So tell me about like a situation and an experience where, I mean, that is a very, can be a very uncomfortable and awkward situation, uh, where there could be disagreements where later maybe the client came back. Can you give us an experience that that really, maybe a client didn't like that, but later the value proved that it was like, wow, thanks for doing that for us type of thing. Um, yeah, we've got a we've got a client we're working with right now who's got some pretty disruptive technology uh, that they're trying to uh, roll out, and it's got great potential. Uh, but you know, he's building you know projections and performance that are very pie in the sky, 
um, that can't be validated. Um, you know, going out as, as many years as he, as he is, and he believes this company is going to be a gazillion dollar company in the next 12 months. Um, and the conversation of, um, you know, building a business and going out there and, and, and generating revenue and selling the products and, and getting people to buy it takes time. Uh, it takes a lot of investment, and you're not going to be a, a unicorn in the next 12 months because every other tech company is doing it. And getting him to understand that he's got to scale back uh, be realistic with the expectations um, so that, you know, he'll get serious conversations with the, the folks who can help him do that it was very difficult. And, and usually it's not what, you know, entrepreneurs want to hear. And, and all too often, too many advisors just go along and tell the client what they want to hear and agree with whatever numbers they throw out just to get the business. And for us, it's it's more important to us to to to, to be blunt and direct and truthful with the client because we find that our clients appreciate it more, even though they don't like what they're hearing. So what does that look like too? Like you're just, so you're talking to someone passionate like me, right? Every entrepreneur that's talking about their idea, you know, everyone, we all think it's a hundred million dollar idea and you're in they're They're talking about it. And, and what would you say to me right there? You'd be like, well, Daniel, like kind of, kind of take me through that process as if like kind of role play with me that that's happening right now. What would you say? Well, Daniel, you might have a, hundred million or a billion dollar idea. Uh, we don't know yet, um, but we've got to go through what it's going to take to, you know, generate the first dollar of revenue, the first million, the first 10 million, um, before we start talking about it being a hundred million or a billion dollar, um, you know, company. We've got to go through, you know, the, the, the strategies and, and what, how it's going to be executed to, to create a real and viable company that could eventually possibly become that um hundred million dollar company, but it's not that today. And, and so the conversation we need to have is how do we get it there? Man, Charles, that's good. <laughs> Keep going. Sorry. I'm just smiling. Cause that's really good. No, but that's, that's, you know, that's generally the conversation uh, that we would have in a circumstance like this. And then what's their response? I mean, the thing that comes through my mind is like, well, Charles, what's the next step for me? Is that kind of what they say usually? Um, no, it's usually a back and forth. I mean, it's 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 usually a back and forth, and it takes a while for for an entrepreneur who's excited and passionate about whatever product or service that they've come up with uh, to understand that it's you know in in the parlance of today that it's not going to be a unicorn instantly. Right. Um, and uh, and and get them to temper um, and and be realistic with their expectations. I like what you said too, like kind of draw back, kind of like drawing back the, the bow and arrow and kind of pull, keep pulling back on the things that matter for the launch. Right. So it sounds like you're also working with companies that don't show a dollar of income, quote unquote. It's just an idea. It's a possible technology type of deal. Is that the case? Um, we do that on occasion. Um, it's, it's, it's not a typical client, but occasionally we'll find a company that's got uh, a great product that they're trying to get to market. And in, in those instances, we will work with them. Great, great. So tell me too, I was going to ask you this, what type of industries do you work in? I mean, there's so many industries. Do you specify in three different ones, education, health, or you, you kind of say uh, case by case, hey, we've got influence in this, or hey, we've got investors that are asking about this type of thing? Um, generally, as a firm, we're industry agnostic. Now, uh, however, our individual managing directors who lead these transactions for our clients um, do have areas where they specialize. You know, we've got a uh, MD who specializes in technology. We've got an MD who specializes in energy. We've got an MD who specializes in in healthcare and so on and so forth. Now, they will take they will take other clients that don't fit into those particular buckets 
um, as well, but generally the majority of the clients on their desks are within whatever specialty that they have. But as a firm, uh, we're industry agnostic. Great, great. Okay, so we're asking so many questions. I'm, I have so many things that I want to learn from Charles. To be honest with you, I wish we had two hours, but I want to, I want to take a moment and just sit back here, and I want you to tell a little bit about the story. I mean, about you going from from Ghana to the United States, going from I know this, you know, generationally being handed down this investment banking uh, profession and occupation. But tell me, like right now, are you? living and walking and breathing the dream that you had as a young child in Ghana? Like, what does this whole thing look like to where you are in life right now to where you were decades ago? Um, yeah, I am. I'm doing exactly what I've always wanted to do. Um, I am passionate about what we do and, and how we go about doing it. I'm passionate with, about the interactions that we have with our clients that, that, uh, you know, leave them better off and, 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 and give them good advice that hopefully uh, they can use to, to improve the, their standing and their lot in life, uh, not just with their companies, but overall. Um, I'm passionate about the guidance that we provide to our employees and, and, and helping them grow professionally and personally. Um, I'm, you know, very proud of the fact that, you know, we could list off, you know, uh, uh, quite a number of people who've come through our organization and been trained in our organization and, you know, who ultimately have, have moved on to bigger and better things and have built careers based on the foundation that they learned over here. Um, I love what I do. It's not work. It's it's a lot of fun. I'm completely passionate about it. And, you know, people people on Friday get excited and say, thank God it's Friday, and Friday means nothing to me. It's just another <laughs> day because I love what I do. That's huge. So it's almost like people, when you say that they, what they've taken from the foundation, it sounds like what they've taken from the culture, the values, the purpose that you try to embed into the people that you do life with and work with. Is that, yes. that's so yeah, cool. I mean, that, that plus the technical experience that they also learn and, and, you know, how to actually you know, do the job with, with our clients. So it's, it's a combination of all of that. That's so cool. Okay, so so take me here to so decades ago, you're this young child. When did you move um, from Ghana to the United States? At what age? Um, 1986. I was. It was June or July of 1986. I was 15 years old. So just talk to me. I mean, and again, I know we're going to move past this. I just want to get this part of your story because it's just so interesting and intriguing to me. Uh, two continents, two completely separate, different cultures. Uh, different, different background, different uh, the way you were raised. When you were a young eight-year-old and ten-year-old and twelve-year-old, I mean, what were the things going through your mind as a young, you know, child and student? Were you, were you, were you kind of visualizing and, and internalizing what your future could look like? Did you think about your purpose? Tell me about that. Um, you know, honestly, not really. Um, one of the things that I remember going back into those days is just. Just having a sense of confidence about uh, about me, uh, and you know, having a feeling that you know I was I was going to accomplish certain things. Um, if you ask me specifically what they were at 10 years old, I really couldn't tell you. Um, you know, I, I just had a sense of um, you know confidence in, in my ability uh, and, and my intellect, and, and expecting that whatever it is that I did, it was it was going to be special. Um, and, you know, to some degree, I've, I've accomplished that. Um, right. you know, but I honestly couldn't tell you that at eight years old, I had a burning desire uh, to do this, this, and this, except to be like my dad, who was my hero. Man, that's so cool. So you had a mentor, right? It was like, uh, 
you had an image of what it could look like and it was like your father that's great so i mean the reason i asked that too is and we we built this framework through a booklet and then an online interactive course called purpose it's a pioneer purpose and and the booklet's called purpose and um what we do is we take people through the process of i mean I, i feel that there's this sense of greatness calling forth people and it's exactly what you said they don't know what it is it's just greater than what their current circumstances and it's this thing that you know for most of the things that happen in our life we have to push it to others but the call whatever we want to call it it pulls you the vision pulls you even steve Jobs said that you know when you have a vision that pulls you you really i mean you just have to wake up right i mean that's the driving factor so it's cool to hear as even a young person you you knew it you just didn't know it and we kind of take people through that plan and process so it's just it's interesting to me what that would have looked like in your hands at the age of you know, 10, 12, 14, 15. Okay, so let's shift a little bit. So there's, I want to talk about the two most important people in your life. I'm sure one of them would be your father. I mean, if you want to share three, then that's great because you've talked about your father. But talk to me about those people and the interaction that has changed you and why that relationship has been so monumental for your change and development. Yeah, I'll start with my dad again. Um, he was, uh, he was a very small man, not very tall, probably 5'8", five, 5'9", five, but he was a giant, um, big personality, very well accomplished. Um, you know, he was you know, at you know, Harvard University in the 50s, I believe, when uh, um, it was impossible for, you know, it was, it was hard, I should say, for somebody you know, to, to leave Africa and, and, and get admitted into one of the best universities in the world. And he, he got in there, he spent time. Wow. Um, and his masters over there. He uh, went back home and 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 uh, you know rose through the ranks um, and and built a career for himself that was just you know really impressive by anybody's standards. And uh, um, I always looked after him, like I said earlier, and, and uh, always wanted to be like him. And, and he's always been my hero and my guiding force, so to speak. Um, there's another gentleman that I met. And the very first job that I ever had, um, you know, working here, I, I sold encyclopedias. And uh, it was actually a really life-altering experience for me. I, I learned how to interact with people. I, um, I learned how to come out of my shell a little bit more. And the gentleman that I worked for, a gentleman from GW Smith, and, you know, opposite in stature from my dad. He was six foot six, probably 250 pounds, wow. giant of a man, uh, physically, um, uh, and, and taught me, and taught me about, you know, how to relate to people, how to... Um, sell, if you will, um, how to interact with people, how to, you know, lead a team and, and, and how to, you know, bring out the best in people who work with and for you. And to this day, you know, if I have a challenge a day, he's, he's the person that I call. Um, and those two gentlemen have had a huge influence and impact on who I am today and, and, and where I am today. So tell us, like, one of the things, uh, you know, that he would teach you, I mean, about the development of people and how to get the best out of people. Give us one of those that kind of sticks with you and continues to ring in your, your ears and your head. Um, patience, um, you know, listening and, and, and understanding what people's challenges are and, and what their frustration, frustrations are and, under, you know, really hearing what they're saying to you before processing it and then coming up with, what kind of advice to give too often when, when people communicate. Um, one person is, you know, busy preparing an answer to what they believe is being asked of them or is, or is being told to them rather than 
really listening to the entire uh, communication before formulating an answer. And I think that's one of the most important things that I learned from him, especially when it comes to interacting with uh, colleagues, employees, and really, you know, clients as well, is really listening to their concerns and then, and then processing it before providing any kind of guidance. That's really good. Man, that's not, a, that's not an easy process though, right? That's kind of takes a lot no, of intentionality. Yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging and, um, you know, it takes a lot of discipline. Um, in fact, I just did it right now as you were finishing your question. I, I, I kind of assumed a little bit where you were going with that question. And it takes a lot of discipline to really be quiet, to, to take all the inputs in before formulating an opinion. Right. Man, that's super it's good. A, it's the constant, constant work in progress. Right. It's it's such a tenacious, uh, arduous process to embrace the discovery of your greatest version. Right. It's like there's no attaining of it. It's just the the joy of the process. Right. I mean, just understanding. Okay, I'm not here right. Now. I'm not where I want to be, but I know I'm in the right direction. I know I'm going the right way. And and I mean, from what I'm hearing from you, what is business? It's serving people. Right. I'm, I'm just making yeah. an assumption. It's, you know, whether it's a brand or whether it's a product, the higher the price, probably the greater service being provided. And it seems like your process of the sales cycle is more of a service cycle. That's what it sounds like. Right. I mean, it's still a yeah, sales it, cycle. It is. It, it, it absolutely is. And, and don't get me wrong. Um, this is we're not doing this to be altruistic. Um, you know, it's while we're very, very passionate about about uh, providing a service and helping our clients, we also want to get paid for it. Um, so those two things go hand in hand, and, and and the dedication is we know that if we do that first part and do it ex- exceptionally well, we don't have to worry about the second part. If we provide a good quality service for the client, we will get paid for it and we'll get rewarded uh, you know, very, very well for it financially. So we just focus on the first part, and the second part takes care of itself. That's so cool. Okay, so tell me about some experiences that have uh, altered your life or changed the direction you were going in. Kind of like there's these experiences that we could pull and take and put into movies because they're so, you know, whatever you want to call it, awakening or moving for us. Give us uh, one or two of those experiences that have happened in your life that have really helped you change uh, you direction. Know, I, uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't think I've had any one moving experience that's changed the direction of my life. The one thing, the one experience that I consider key that might be a little bit boring um, and, and not as exciting, you know, for this interview, to be honest with you, is becoming a parent for the first time um, 12, 13 years ago when it first happened. That was life altering for me. Um, you know, holding this little life that my wife and I had just created and realizing the not only the awesomeness of it, but the responsibility of being, you know, the one to take care of this life that can't, you know, really do anything for themselves, uh, you know, at the very beginning and quite frankly for quite a few years. And, and that was very sobering. And, you know, if, if you are the most selfish person on the face of the earth, when you go through that experience, that selfishness goes away immediately. And for <laughs> me, that's probably, that, that's probably the most seminal that's not boring at all that's that's legit i mean like that's a real thing man like i would agree with you i mean i'm i have two young girls they're very young two and one years old that was one of my biggest life-altering moments really you know yeah to be honest with you i've done a lot of things and you know being a parent is the thing that i'm most proud of yeah man so cool to hear tell us a little bit about that then like i mean it's so it seems like there's these moments where you know 
we want to continue to earn and make a profit. Um, and, and at the same time, then we have this merge where we're like, okay, well, we want to do that, but we need to help people. But then at the end of the day, you could help as many people as you want. But it's like, how, how I mean, what kind of, you know, what kind of joy does that bring in your life? Being a family guy, being a parent, being, what does that look like? Um, it's, um, like I said, it's probably, you know, the most important thing for me. I do what I do because of that. Um, now, you know, now that I've become a parent, I do what I do because of that. It, it, it allows me helping, you know, our clients, um, obviously, you know, provides a return. And like I said, we focus on you know, providing the service, and, and when we do that and we make sure that we're providing a good quality service to a client, it takes care of the rest of it. Uh, but that in return allows me, you know, the time with my family that's quality. Um, obviously, I have the push-pull of the responsibilities of the business and making sure that, um, you know, I'm spending adequate time uh, with my family, my wife and my kids. and. Um, you know, and that dynamic is always challenging, but when I'm with them, I'm with them. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I really enjoy those moments and, um, and the time that we spend together. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. It's so good. Okay, I'm going to do some lightning questions really quick with you because it's just some thoughts and things that I would like to, I like to ask certain um, guests that we have on the show. So what, what's like an ideal wake-up time for you? Um, I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, um, not because it's, the, the timing is critical to um, me getting into the office, so to speak, but because I have a routine in the morning that um, I'd like to be leisurely about. So I get up early so I can take my time and drink a cup of coffee, you know, scroll through the news, uh, review work emails, you know, do a little bit of social media and then get ready for work. And it just, it takes me, I like to be able to take my time and not feel rushed. So, you know, I get up early so I can do those things and not feel rushed. And then what, you start at 7 a.m.? You start your business day um, at that time? I'm, I'm, no, I'm usually in the office sometime between 7.30 and 8. Cool. Great. So what does, like, oh, an ideal work environment look like for you? Um, I, I thrive in high-energy, fast-paced environments. Um, you know, we, and, 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 and our environment is exactly that. We're constantly running around, uh, finding new clients, executing for the existing clients, negotiating transactions and, you know, the, the highs and lows that come off of that, and, you know, and, and it's, it's just invigorating. And, uh, that's what I like. It's a little addicting, isn't it? Like, it's like, it's a, it's like ecstasy in the sense of like this, this train of thought and place of mind where it's a, it's a level of a, of a, a peak that you just kind of want to live in that. It's kind of crazy. Tell me about it for you. Yeah. It's, it, um, like I said, it's very exciting. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, it, it's it's part of what you know feeds the passion for what we do. Uh, is being in that high charging environment and, and 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 being in an environment with a lot of smart people um, and and finding solutions for challenges and problems that our clients have and then that we face in the business as well. And, so things I, changing. I couldn't, I couldn't imagine being in any other kind of environment. Right. So things changing and things shifting and new things happening and new opportunities. I mean, that's like every day for you then. Like yes, every day. So like, what do you do about individuals that are kind of like working with you, running alongside you that maybe have a hard time with that? Or is that even, is that even there? Um, you know, this, the, this business and this industry just has a natural self-selection uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, 
side to it, and it attracts high energy people who thrive in that kind of environment, and it's it's self selected. Um, so if if you don't like the fast paced, high energy kind of environment, um, you come to that conclusion you know relatively quick, relatively quickly and find something that's a little more slower paced, which is completely fine. And then there's the rest of us who are adrenaline junkies and 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 get off on that high energy um, and and thrive in this environment and and, and like it. Yeah. So it's almost like it's, it's, it's a natural selection process. Like people come in and if they, they don't like it, they, they find themselves out and it's kind of just like, there's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just the process of discovering people's where they fit. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's just, like you said, it's just trying to figure out where, you know, what works and what doesn't work for each individual and where they fit. And sometimes it sounds exciting to say, I want to work in an investment bank, but um, if the personality and the intellect is not, you know, matched to it, nothing wrong with that. Right. Something else. So tell me a favorite productivity tool, like something that just makes you productive. The telephone is my favorite productivity tool. Um, in today's technology world, too many people are hiding behind emails and communicating with email. Um, and there's so much that can go wrong with email communications. Um, you can't judge tone. You can't judge intention. Um, you can't judge mood. Um, and it's hard to tell. Um, you know, where to take the conversation based on email. So I prefer to pick up the phone. Um, I tell my employees, if you need something from me, you know, sometimes you have to email me something. There's an attachment, there's a document that I need to look at. That's fine. But if we need to discuss something, pick up the phone and, and call me. Don't email <laughs> me. Because, because then I can tell in, in the tone of your voice how important it is, uh, whether it's critical or not, whether it's something that I need to drop everything I'm doing and, and address or not based on the tone of voice. Um, and it's the oldest and most effective business tool there is, and nothing's going to change that. I believe that. Man, I'm so glad I asked you that. That's a, I love that answer. Super cool. Thanks for saying that. I'll, uh, I'm definitely going to kind of take that to heart and really kind of start applying that because you're absolutely right. There's nothing like picking up the phone, making a personal call. So what about 90-day goals? Like what are some of your 90-day goals? Do you have those? Are they mental? Are they written on paper? And then what would those be? There's no such thing as a goal if it's mental. If it's not written down, it's not a goal. It's a nice to have. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. It's great. I love it. Keep going. Um, it has to be written down. There's got to be steps to accomplishing it. Otherwise, it's not a goal. Um, and, yeah, I do. Um, not too comfortable discussing the, the company goals, but I can tell you personally that I'm trying to get fit. Um, you know, I, I recently jumped back into the gym and uh, I had a six month goal and three months into it. So it fits perfectly with your 90 day goal. I've got a, uh, an objective that I want to hit um, in the next three months and I'm working towards it every day. I'm in the gym you know, every, just about every day except for the weekends um, and trying to hit that objective. And uh, It's something that's important to me and it's, I think it's uh, good for my mental health as well. And uh, that's my objective. So you don't have to get into any specifics with your company goals, but I mean, I'm imagining when you're talking with passionate entrepreneurs that have all these goals financially, I'm assuming that your company goals are probably extremely extravagant as far as a revenue and a growth model. But do you, I mean, your, your wisdom to your clients is this level of like have a level head, predictability, practicality. In, in, in breaking it down into increments, do you do the same thing with your company or your personal financial goals? Go ahead. Tell me a little bit about like that process of kind of like, do you like building out a very strategic plan? Is that what you do for each of those? Yes. And, and, you know, our plans are, um, 
solid and and aggressive, but they're not extravagant and they're not overly aggressive. Um, and and one of the things that we tend to do is um, we'll set a plan and we'll discount it, and and we'll discount it significantly. Now we only we'll set a plan that we believe we can accomplish, and then we'll discount it significantly, and then create a you know create an action plan to accomplish the discounted plan. Um, and a lot of times we move past the discounted plan and accomplish the original goal, but we want to make sure that we're we're being as conservative as as we can without being um, too scared, if you will, to try and, and uh, uh, break out of the box, so to speak. That's good. That's good. So everyone's got a superpower, right? I mean, I, I don't know really what that means, but I know if you were to ask me my superpower, I've got maybe two or three that I'd say they're just things that I really focus on, and I call them my strengths. But what would be what would be like a superpower that Charles has that like it's just something that you stick to, and it really it really serves you well. Um, couple of things. Um, self-assessment. I'm brutally honest with myself. I'm constantly analyzing uh, what I'm doing, uh, what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and how to improve it, and, and how to do it better. And I'm constantly trying to impart that uh, throughout the organization so that everybody's doing that. Um, accountability is huge uh, with me, and that's part of that self-assessment. Um, is understanding that uh, I am responsible uh, for the outcomes around me um, and accepting and acknowledging that and recognizing that if it doesn't come out the way I'd like for it to come out, it's mm-hmm. because I didn't execute as best as I can, not because of uh, anything else or anyone else. And, and understanding that uh, is, is really critical to, you know, I believe in attaining any level of success. Um, I think my most important superpower is my ability to stay calm in chaotic situations. Um, I try not to panic. Um, I, have a, um, I have a simple philosophy and that I try to live by. It's, it's hard to do it 100% of the time, but I try to do it most of the time. And that's, you know, if you can do something about it, do it. And if you can't, then there's nothing you can do about it. So why worry about it? <laughs> it's like, well, I'll tell you one thing for sure. You've definitely exemplified the calmness in this podcast that like it's something you try and harness and it's 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 very inspiring to be honest with you. I picked that up even just in this conversation because I know that you're this off the wall on the inside explosively passionate person, but you really try to harness that and it's a, a, a thing that I'm sure you found in maturity and, and in growth and in the longevity of your business. But man, like it just hearing you talk about those things it's a little wild because we've built this program called Pioneer Purpose, and it's all around everything you're talking about, right? And the plan for your goals and really how to find true success and these principles that you're outlaying. It's like, talk to me about, and we, we call the program purpose, but I mean, it could simply be called finding success in life or finding su- success in your industry. But tell me about like this idea of purpose. Where does purpose fit into all of these things that we're talking about right now for your life? Um, I, I want to make a difference. Um, you know, I, I want to make a difference in, in people's lives, um, and, and that's really important to me. Uh, I want to have a positive impact in the people that I come in contact with and the people that I, uh, I interact with, whether it's on a business level or, 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 or on a personal level. Um, and that's always been something that's important to me, and, and, and that's part of what drives me. And that's part of what keeps me focused in, in, in doing the things that I do um, is making an impact in people's lives. You know, from my 
children all the way up to, like I said, my friends and family and, and, and my colleagues and clients and business. That's super cool. And that's what purpose looks like to you is making an impact, making a difference. Making a positive impact in people's lives. Yeah. That's because so cool. You, you can make it you can make an impact and have it be negative. <laughs> right. You could have a ripple effect and it not be a good one. So that's like I mean, all of these things, they're parameters and they're guidelines for you to make sure that at the end of the, the, your life, you get to the top and you really enjoy the view and you've got the people that you need to have with you. I mean, that's what it sounds like. You've created these things as kind of these fundamental global truths that you're like, hey, I just know that if I stick to these things, like the good things and the things that I need are just going to come my way. The things that I want are going to come my way. I mean, it's just very powerful to hear a CEO, a business professional, a guy that's like you said on the Wall Street, Main Street, banking investment capital front end with these things in mind. Is that rare to find um, in lifestyle and in language or is that not rare in your industry? Um, I think you will find that uh, most of the folks that have had success in our industry uh, have a, a dedication to some purpose. Uh, a single-mindedness about that purpose. Uh, so you know, it's it's difficult to find success, but the ones who do, um, you know, have that dedication. So in that sense, it's not so rare. Um, but it's a challenge. You know, it's 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 rare in the general population to to find people with a with a focus and a dedication to a purpose that's unwavering. If if it wasn't, everybody'd be you know doing extremely well and running their company and have no employees because they're all bosses. Right. That's absolutely right. That's true. So I want to leave you with this question. And again, I'm just so thankful that you took the time to kind of be with us here on the Dreamcast. You know, I, I, I love to, to get your idea. Imagine a high schooler, imagine a millennial, someone that's kind of up and coming. And I know that they could be outside of that age group and they could just kind of be doing a restart on their life or their occupation or maybe their family, something went wrong. But someone that's starting over, someone that's just beginning a journey, uh, what would you tell them in regards to living out that dream that they're about to pursue or finding that, that center of purpose that they want to experience daily? What would be your idea of conversation that you would have with them or questions you would ask them? Um, find your inner purpose. Very important. Um, set some goals and, and start with small goals and then build on them as you accomplish them. Um, Write those goals out. Come up with executional, ex ex actionable plans to uh, to accomplish those goals, and then check them off one at a time as you go through it. Um, find somebody who's been there, done that, made a bunch of mistakes, and learned from it, um, and, and use them as a mentor and as a sounding board uh, for those days where your things are incredibly high, and for those days when things are incredibly low, uh, because those kinds of relationships are immensely valuable. And read read a lot. Uh, be ravenous about, um, you know, finding information and, and taking it all in and filtering it all and, and, you know, using what applies to help you accomplish your goals and, and then storing the rest for a rainy day, so to speak. <laughs> it's so good, man. Well, Charles, thank you again. I really do appreciate you for being here on the Dreamcast with us. And uh, man, great answer to that for anyone kind of starting anything. What you just said, was really the process that my dad had kind of brought me through that has really brought me to where I am today. And again, I, I know that if I want to go to the next stage or level, it's kind of just 
continuing to be obedient, or if you would call it that, or patient uh, with the process. So thanks for sharing those things and taking time with us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, you've just listened to Charles Botchway. Very excited to have him on this episode. If anything stood out or spoke to you, please send us a message. We'd love to hear kind of what was encouraging you. If you have any specific questions for me or Charles, send it our way. Anything about the podcast, we'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you for taking this time to invest in yourself. And we'll be seeing you on the next episode of the Dreamcast.